spell you. All right. We needed to start out on a, on a hearty, you know, laughter note, I feel. It's a good place to start from. Just a, a few housekeeping thing. Um, <clears throat> as far as the text service goes, my wife sent out a text message today um, about the uh, um, dinner on the grounds for um, New Year's Day. So if you responded to that, you don't need to sign anything in the back if for whatever reason you didn't get it or, you know, you just don't want to do the technology thing, that's fine. Uh, there'll be a, a sign-up sheet in the back you can sign up. But if you, if you sign the back sheet, you don't need to text it in. And if you text it in, you don't need to sign the back sheet. Does that make sense? That's simple enough, right? It seems like a lot of you guys are getting the hang of it, though. So we were worried about, you know... Uh, the technological gap, but I feel like everybody's pretty well there. So take your Bibles tonight, and uh, as again for just a jumping off point, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. I was telling a couple brothers here before church starts started this evening that... Uh, this particular topic is extremely uncomfortable for me um, to get into the depth in which uh, getting into it, but um, <clears throat> I do feel I do feel a little bit of pressure, not necessarily just from from y'all, but in the subject matter in and of itself. There's a lot of great, smart people that have written on this subject. Uh, there's a lot of people who have made what you would try to consider definitive works on the subject of music. Um, but I feel like where we're at right now with Bible believers, that uh, we're, we're in a state where, you know, we want to hold fast those things that remain. Um, but as we're going to get into tonight, there's some things that are in our world that as much as we want to say we're consecrated and we love God and we believe the Bible and we go to church, there's certain things about the society in which you live that are going to affect you no matter what in the world you do. And we are to be the guardians and to be um, watchful uh, to try to, again, as what I said before, hold fast those things that remain until the time comes where the Lord calls us out of here and brings us home to heaven forever. But uh, uh, last time, last uh, couple weeks ago, we talked about the uh, subject of music and we'll continue on it tonight. Um, we talked about music and its relationship to God. Uh, we talked about uh, how uh, uh, the couple, like the origination of music, where did it come from? We talked about some of uh, the evolutionary aspects and, and, and reasoning behind where music came from. Um, uh, a little bit, and I guess a little bit in jest and a little bit of laughter involved in there because, again, they don't know where it came from and they can't explain it. And they don't have a very good uh, description of it either. Um, <clears throat> we have a little bit more substantial uh, ground to stand on as far as what we believe and that it was created with God, for God, before Genesis 1-1. You find that in Job 38, uh, chapter, four, or chapter 38, uh, 4 through 7. And we talked about how it, how it relates to God, music's relationship to God, and that music begins with God, and music is for the sole purpose to glorify God. There is a sacred purpose for the institution of music, and, and it's important that we... Uh, as we as we get into the somewhat more nuanced 
portions of this topic that we never lose sight of that core foundational principle. And that is that music was created by God for God. And it was, uh, it was a conduit or a means for His creation to give praise to Him. That's what it was created for. That in its perfect state was what it was. And only when, only when Lucifer fell and, and, and distorted that thing did it then take its form and the purpose was shifted off of God and then somehow placed on man and then by proxy was then able to worship things and the devil is what we talked about secondly is the music in relationship to the devil is that the devil can receive worship through music, through inanimate objects or through whatever means in which you worship. And yes, you can worship yourself. And so you have got this thing down here to what I want to jump off into tonight and that is that music has a relationship to mankind. All right, uh, here in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 23, uh, the Bible says, In the very peace of God, or very God of peace, excuse me, sanctify you wholly, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as we delve into these, uh, these thoughts tonight, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you'd give us clarity uh, from the book and clarity uh, from the, the things that are studied, and help us as a church, Lord, to take this subject uh, to, to, uh, to heart, and I pray, Lord, that we would be found pleasing in this area. Lord, we love you now, we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Here in this verse, we find a really, really basic principle as far as, you know, your doctrinal, um, uh, your doctrinal standings go, and that is that you are a triune being. The Bible says you're created in the image of God, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing where, you know, that means that there's no women in heaven and all this different stuff that can be reserved for a debate in some other time. But at the very least, we know that if we're created in the image of God, we know one thing, that we're triune God just like God is a triune God, or we're a triune being just as God is a triune God, right? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And uh, you hear, as it says here in 1 Thessalonians, that the very God of peace sanctify you holy. That word holy is not H-O-L-Y, but rather W-H-O-L-L-Y, as in completely, right? As in not, not part of the way, not some of the way, but completely sanctified. And he says, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body. So the, the request here, the desire here is that is that you're sanctified unto the Lord in more than one facet of your life. When you got saved, your soul was then sanctified unto God. That's Colossians chapter 2. That's a spiritual circumcision that takes place. Your soul is now sinless, impossible to go to hell. Once you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and cuts your soul away from your body and the sins that you do in the flesh are no longer attributed to your body. Your soul is forever sanctified. Hear me? That's set apart, right? Is sanctified unto God. But then we got these two other things. <laughs> we have your whole uh, spirit, soul, and body. So your spirit and your body. Those things are sanctified through time. <laughs> Those things are, are learned things. Those things are, are, are things that you're going to struggle with and fight with all along the way. Now, in your Christian life, God gives you some tools 
in order to help you with the sanctification process. Now, music is a tool that the Lord gives to help you with those things. We know that the Word of God, reading the Bible, is a tool that God gives you that will help you sanctify your body and your spirit unto the Lord. It'll tell you what God's mind is. It'll tell you what God's expectations are. It will reveal to you God's will. The more you get into the book, the more you have the mind of Christ at your, at your fingertips, and it'll help you make better decisions. It'll shine light on a dark path, right? That's what the Bible does, all right? And then you have the tool of prayer. Pastors alluded to this, especially with him going through the, the, books, in that he's reading, the books that he's reading right now. And, and, and this, this thought of prayer is that this is, this is an, a, a lot of times for a lot of us is an untapped tool that we have at our disposal where we have, we have keys to the front door of the house where we can walk in and come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain uh, mercy and, and help in time of need. Right. And, and a lot of times that tool is neglected and our spirits suffer because of it. Right. And sometimes, you know, we fall to temptation because we fail to pray in the hour of temptation. Right. So this this prayer is a tool that God gives us. He says, you can you can talk to me at any point in time. You have you have it. You have a, a power source that you have access to that will help you. And then uh, some of the verses that we read last week in Ephesians, uh, go ahead and turn there, Ephesians chapter 5. Now I understand that there's other things, you know, and, and, and not every, every flaw in, in the human, <laughs> in human endeavor is solved by just these three simple things. But you want to know something? When I overcomplicate stuff, a lot of times I don't get a lot of help out of it. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 19. He says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. As far as your triune being in relationship to God, we know that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So you have your soul, which is like God the Father, and then you have your body, which is Jesus Christ, God incarnate, Right? And then you have your spirit, which is the Holy Ghost. Do you think it's a coincidence that when he tells you to speak to yourselves, he gives you three forms of music? When he tells you to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Don't you know that psalms, they speak to the soul? You have, you have the, the biggest book in your Bible is a song book. It's a, it's a, and you say, well, you can't sing those. Yes, you can. There's a musical cadence that's baked into, the, into your Bible. Have you not noticed that? There's people who, who just spend all their time, they sing scripture songs and all that kind of stuff. You want to know why that is? It's because your Bible is written in such a way that it has a musical, uh, has a musical meter to it. And so it lends itself to that. Okay. And again, another reason why I don't, I don't have to go to the Greek and Hebrew and figure out whether my Bible is inspired or not, that, you, that, that's baked into it. <laughs> so whoever wrote it didn't, if this was just written by man, they couldn't do that. You understand? They couldn't do that the way that it's written. And so Psalms, they speak to the soul. And hymns, they speak to the spirit. And then spiritual songs, they can speak to the body. And of course, they can affect the spirit as well. 
All right? Not all music is the same for everybody. Is that okay to say? Can I just tread on some unpopular waters here for just a second? Right? You have Shem and you have Ham and you have Japheth. Is that correct? Man, this is so against, uh, you know. Yeah, this is not in the spirit of Christmas at all. <laughs> I tell you, right? You have, you have uh, Ham, which is the body. You have Japheth, which is the soul. And you have Shem, which is the spirit. That is reflected in their music. You understand that? When you think about, when you think about Ham and the African culture, it's, it's, it's a, I've been there, okay? I've been to Africa. I've actually sang in Africa. I've preached in Africa. I've been with them, right? I remember there was a time we were singing, we were in a, uh, we were in a prison in Nairobi County, Kenya, and we probably, we were in an old, it was a chicken wire shack in the back of this max security prison. And you thought you'd been in prisons in America. Wait till you go to a max security prison in Kenya, Africa, Okay, and, 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 and you got these guys in there, and there's a guy who had a keyboard over here, and we started singing just, well, there's a couple of us there, we started singing this a cappella song, and man, that guy figured it out, what key we were in, and he started doing that organ stuff on there, and I'm like, man, this is, has totally changed, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was adding some stuff, and then all of a sudden, he had some, had some uh, you know, had a, a percussion section there on the, uh, on the keyboard. Can I tell you, that's, that's their natural music. You understand? Um, you think about hip hop. What do you think hip hop is? It's a beat. It's a, it, it, and what does it do? It affects, it affects your body. When you listen to it, when you hear it, it, it causes your body to do things. <laughs> right? I'm not making this stuff up. If you, if, if you all get offended at that, we're, not, we're literally not going to get very far tonight. I really promise you. Because it's going to get worse. And then you have Shem, which is the spirit. Have you ever listened to Oriental music? If you're not Oriental, you're like, what is this? Right? Can I say this? There's so many, there's more notes, there's more notes in the, uh, in the Oriental type music. It's highly spiritual. It's highly spiritual. And, 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 and you see that in, in their culture, especially because music and their culture is so woven together. That's why uh, in a lot of the... Uh, Oriental cultures, their, their, their music, their religion, and their culture, you can't separate it. It's all intertwined. Their food is intertwined to it, everything. Everything has a, a deity uh, sometimes attached to it, that kind of thing. Um, and then you have Japheth, right? And, that, and, that is, and it, that's, that, that's that, you know, that, mm. that's that march, you know? It's very structured. It's militant. You know, and it, it's like, let's go shoot somebody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, let's go to war. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and it's like man, just, it's like, what is this? You know, you think, about, you think about what happened in World War II. These German soldiers are going in there. And if I were to get up here and, and, and play you a German stormtrooper march, you, you, your blood starts to boil. You're like, is something to blow up or something? <laughs> you know? And you're like, no wonder they tried to, no wonder they went to war with the world twice. It's like they didn't just choose a country. They're like, let's go to war with who? The entire world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then they get whooped. And then they, and the, the, the Treaty of Versailles and all this different stuff. And a few years later, they're like, man, we listen to this music, man. <laughs> we got to go to war again. Yeah, with who? The world. <laughs> you know? What possesses a man to do that? 
Maybe his music's got something to do with it, right? Uh, but what I'm saying is, is, is music will affect you in those three areas. Okay, music will affect you in those three areas. Now, I want to kind of spearhead into a different direction here so I can get to where I want to go and not be here all night. Um, there, is a, there is a thing that which you're submerged in, and it's, and it's called culture. Okay? And just like I just showed you that different, uh, different cultures... They have, they have music that's, that is indicatively um, appealing to them. We had, we had somebody here at some point in time, they were doing a thing on music, and, and basically they were saying, you know, every culture has their own. If you're a Greek in here, there's Greek music, and it, it probably trips your trigger for some reason. You know what I'm saying? I'm Italian. We have music, and I mean, it doesn't really do much for me now, but I mean, to my grandfather... I mean, a good night for him was, was sitting around, you know, at his house, eating a bunch of spaghetti and stuff like that, and then getting into his living room singing, that's amore in the karaoke machine. <laughs> and boy, he took that very seriously, very seriously, <laughs> right? And, um, and I remember he was going through this, and, and he, got to the, he got to the place where uh, a lot of people get to, and, and they say, and, and then you have... And then you have uh, you have the African culture, but their music isn't okay. And I thought to myself, every other culture is allowed to have their own music. I said, it's kind of dishonest for you to say that they can't have theirs. That's dishonest. That's not, that doesn't lead you out at a good conclusion. You ha- if you're going to have an opinion in this thing, throw your ego out and stop trying to make the end result fit what you want it to fit. Because it ain't going to work. The fact of the matter is, is music, especially now, you live, in an, you live in a culture where everything is accessible and everything is a fusion. You understand? Everything is, is this big amalgamation of, that's together and it's this big melting pot of cultures and ideas and preferences and likes and dislikes. The music that is submersed in our culture today, you know that it's worldwide. It's worldwide. Let me tell you something. We're, I'm, I'm getting to the place where how music affects the church. That's where we want to be. That's, that's where the, the crux of this, of this thing is going. But in order to get it into the church, we first have to understand a little bit of what's going on outside of the church. Does that make sense? If you could view culture as a tool. Um, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy, he uh, marketing and that kind of thing. These people that are basically bring out all the advertisements. They, they do these uh, social experiments and they figure out, you know, what are the, what are the tools that best sell products to the masses? And, 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 and basically what they do is they, <clears throat> they figure out what sells and, and, how, to, uh, and how to attract and, and people, and they use those levers to influence culture. So what they do is they, they tell the companies, this is what sells. They give them the tools and then the tools create the culture. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. If I was to go around here and say, hey, listen, Anchor Baptist Church, we're going to create a society. We're going to create a culture. So you know what I'm going to do? In order for us to create a culture, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you guys some rakes. I'm going to give you guys some garden hose. I'm going to give you guys some seeds. 
You know what I'm saying? And I want you to go make a society. If I gave you those tools, would you become a hunter-gatherer society? No, you wouldn't. If I gave you those tools, would you blossom into an industrial economy? No, you wouldn't. Why? The tools in which you were given, they put you down this road where it dictates that you're going to become an agricultural society. And so the tools in which you have to work with and that you're immersed with, they end up producing what you become. Culture, it's a dangerous thing. The fashions of this world. Let me take you back to the 1920s, for instance. If, uh, if you were around in the 1920s, what access did you have to music? <laughs> you know that radios were a luxury item. Not every household had them. Right? You heard music in church. There would be singings. Right? Some folk, folk music or something like that. If you were, uh, if you were, um, if you were around a radio, the, the, type of, the type of music that you would listen to, the pop music of the day, that would be the dance bands, the swing bands, right? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to name all the names and stuff like that. But anyways, you, that, that's the kind of stuff that you would be listening to. That's what you would have access to. You would not be fully submersed. In music, you understand that? And you would have, there would be an attachment in 1920s and before that and, and, and a little bit after that, up to the 1960s, there was a, you were tethered in some way, shape, or form to traditional good music. You understand? You were, te you were tethered to it. Even the swing bands, what are they doing? They're playing trombones and trumpets and snare drums and they're playing, uh, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, different like uh, orchestral instruments, but they're playing it in a different way. I'm not justifying the way in which they played it. But what that was, that was an amalgamation of, of cultures that started to produce this underground trend of music. But can I say that it was real sound? It was real sound. Those guys, those, uh, those guys in there, they had musical skill to play those instruments the way they played them. Okay? You know where you live now? The majority of the music that you're submersed in, I'm not talking about just yet what you listen to in your personal life, but what your, what your culture is submersed in is fake music. It's electronically outputted. You, it's not a natural sound. Some of the music that you go into the grocery store and hear, that's not a real sound. That has been synthesized. That is taking a stringed instrument that is, has to go through some electrical channel into a box and then out through an amplifier, and it is unnaturally distorted to make a sound that is not duplicatable in nature. You understand? So it's synthetic. It's not real. It's, it's fake. Okay? And so what you're, what you're submersed in now, and listen, it, it is in everything you do. Amen. In the 1960s, it was the great rebellion, right? 
and musical the, the, the music explosion and the culture war ensued, right? And then you had you had you know uh, every every band in the world, ZZ Top and 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 uh, um, Jimi Hendrix and Ozzy Osbourne, and you had the Who, and you had whoever whatever your taste was back in those days. I was raised on that stuff. My my parents listen. You know, I have a, the reason I have a little bit of a, 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 a passion for this topic, I was, I was in and out of bars with my mom playing gigs with her since I was a little kid. Okay? Music was a part of my life since I was a little kid. My mom, was, my mom still plays in bands today. <laughs> my mom's still in a band, and she plays gigs and all that stuff. She's well-known for we're up we're in the musical uh, arena that we're from in upstate New York. She's known all over. She's been interviewed on radio stations for her, her songwriting and all that kind of stuff. I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. I'm not just shooting my mouth off, okay? And so, and so uh, you, you're raised up in that stuff. And, and of course, I, I was exposed to all that kind of music, and, and, um, and the way that it sounds... Whether you like it or not, it's infiltrated into everything you do. It's infiltrated into the movies you watch. As you walk through the grocery store. All you guys scrolling through YouTube and, and, uh, and TikTok and whatever uh, social media there is. All those videos have, you know, that's how, that's how artists right now, that's how they get their songs to go viral. They don't even make CDs anymore. They put it on a, on a less than 30 second video on a TikTok or YouTube short. And what they do is they blast it out there and they give a little snippet of the song. And then they put it on the, on, on, uh, the uh, electronic ser uh, services so that you'll download their song. And that's how their songs go viral. They, they know how to play you. And so you're exposed to all that stuff. And now we have our kids and they sing, let it go, let it go. And, they're, and they know every song of the Disney songs and everything else. And it's engulfed. You're submersed in it. It's, if that's what you're submersed in, if it's all synthetic sound, now let me take this into like a very uncomfortable topic because I want to hit every topic that makes people uncomfortable tonight. Amen. That's kind of my goal, right? That's my goal. This is my goal. I want everyone to hate me right before Christmas. You already gave me my Christmas cards. It ain't, I'm not giving them back, okay? <laughs> when we think about music, you, you think about it as a, as a diet. You say, you are the last person that should be talking to us about a diet. I know. I know. But hear me out, right? What's the difference between a piece of steak, and an Oreo cookie. Think about that. You're like, well, there's some obvious differences. From a biological level, <laughs> when you take a piece of steak and you season it just right, and, you, and I love steak, okay? I love that, and I got a sous vide machine, and it cooks it just perfectly, and then you sear it on the outside, and whatever you're going to do, compound butter, all that kind of stuff. When you get a steak and it's done perfectly right, you take a first bite of that steak and you put it in your mouth and it just melts in your mouth, super tender, you know, and you're like, that is amazing. And then you take another bite and you're like, man, that's really good. You take another bite, you're like, that's for still, that's still good. And about the 15th, 16th, 17th bite of that steak, you're kind of like, I've had enough steak, you know, that steak. What happens is, is that steak is filled with protein. 
And that steak is filled with some nutrients that your body can actually use for fuel and it can actually help it do whatever your body's going to do. Whether that's repair broken down muscles or just fuel for your brain or in the fat content that's created, that's, that's in that steak. Your body prefers to burn fat as opposed to glycogen, which is stored in like carbohydrates and, and processed sugars and that kind of stuff. That's like the difference between burning a fire with hard wood that'll burn for a long period of time and create a lot of heat rather than putting gasoline on the ground and lighting it and going whoosh. And then you need to put more gasoline and whoosh, right? That's the difference between the two, you understand? And so, and so when you have that, that piece of steak, what happens is, is it goes into your stomach and at some point your brain says, we're satiated, we're good. We've got the nutrients that we need and it's time to stop because we're full. And then you stop eating and your body's able to process that and burn it for energy and it has macronutrients, micronutrient content and it's good for your body. Okay? Now, to the Oreo cookie. You know what the Oreo cookie has in the Oreo cookie? It has, it does. It does, man. It does. There's some voodoo that took place in a laboratory somewhere with probably some German guy listening to crazy music. I'm going to kill Zafarod with Oreo. And, uh, and, they, and they figured out this Oreo thing and they put the little cream filling in the, in the chocolate thing. And what happens is, is that Oreo is packed full of processed sugars and it's packed full of chemical compounds that literally are not duplicatable in nature there is nothing you stinking health fanatic nuts there is nothing there is nothing that you can do with coconut oil and sucking the sugar out of a bee's back in that's going to make something taste like a Reese's peanut butter cup it's not going to happen and stop trying to tell me, hey, you'll never eat a Reese's peanut butter cup again. Shut up. Yes, I will. Because it doesn't taste as good as a Reese's peanut butter cup. Because the Reese's peanut butter cup has got all that junk in it. And you can't do nothing naturally in nature to make something taste like that. It comes out of a, it comes out of a lab. Stinking people. It tastes just as good as an Oreo. So... Idiot. Does not. That thing, you put it in your mouth, and it creates a dopamine dump in your brain. It's so powerful that your body's like, what is that? And it goes whoosh, and it dumps this whole thing, and your body's like, I can have me some of that. And so you eat one, and you eat two, and you eat three, and guess what happens? Guess what happens? Yeah, everyone knows this. This is not, I'm not preaching to myself. Right? This is what happens. That little thing in your brain that says, we're satiated. We've got all the nutrient compounds that we need to burn for a while. Go ahead and stop eating, big boy. That voice is gone. And so what you do is you eat the whole stinking package of Oreo cookies. And the only reason you stop is because if you were to shove one more of them stinking cookies down your gullet, it would probably bust out the side in some black goo. Right? Because your body is not satiated for what is inside of the Oreo cookie. It's not going to nourish you. And so if you're used to eating Oreo cookies and mozzarella sticks 
and pizza and McDonald's and Arby's and all that kind of stuff if I cook you up some delicious liver and onions. And I put that nutrient-dense, antioxidant-filled organ meat in front of you that literally, if your body could talk, it'd be like, give me some of that. Because I can use that for fuel, and man, I can repair. I can repair the body with that kind of nutrient stuff and that protein that's in there and the fatty content that's in there. Your body, from a, from a, uh, from a molecular level, craves that stuff. But because your appetite is so used to this synthetic, overly uh, processed food, you have no palate for the things that actually nourish you. Does that make sense? No liver and onions is going to compete with a chicken nugget from McDonald's. It's just not going to happen. Matter of fact... If I put a chicken nugget from McDonald's and a piece of chicken breast next to it, it's still a no-brainer, yeah. right? right? And so what's the problem? We've been so submersed in culture, and we've become so used to a horrible diet of processed, no nutritional value music, Right? That when we are presented with the type of music that feeds the soul and affects the spirit and keeps everything in check and is a part of your great balanced diet, right? We're like, are you going to put broccoli in front of me right now? Uh, sorry, where's the Oreos? And they push it away. So what happens in the church is that the people, they don't have a palate for the music that got the church through some of the hardest times in church history. You understand? So, man, it's so difficult because our preferences are affected by the culture in which we live. You say, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. You You ever watched a video uh, like, a, like a blowout video or some chalk talk video from when Dr. Upman was preaching back in the 70s. Look in the crowd and tell me if culture doesn't affect the church. All y'all have, you ladies in here to have hair this big. <laughs> you had that thing puffed out and poofed out all over the place. I don't know what y'all was wearing back in those days, but it wasn't what you're wearing now. Why is that? Culture affects the church. Don't tell me it doesn't affect the church. Of course it affects the church. Some of you in here, the reason you wear your hair the way you do is because culture says that's the way you should wear your hair. I'm not saying you're wrong for doing it. I'm not saying you're wrong for, for having a nice pair of clothes on that, you know, everybody doesn't think you look like a crazy person. Thank God you don't wear the same stuff you wore in the 60s. Everyone's got those photo albums you show your grandkids or your kids. You know, you're like, hey, that was me back. And they're like, what were you wearing? <laughs> they let you go outside in that, you know? So, yeah, culture affects the church. But on a topic as important as music, where we fail is that because our diets are so poor, I made this comment last week. 50 years ago, A special in church was a person getting up with a piano or an organ and singing a hymn out of the hymnal. 
and the place would come unglued. Why? Because they had a pallet for it. They had a pallet for it. And I know what, I know what y'all are listening to. Unless you're listening to nasty stuff, unless you're listening to bad stuff. Some of you here, you know what? Your, your diet for music is absolutely atrocious. Some of you in here, if we were to get in your car right now and turn that stinking key on, if I was to, if I was to go home with some of you tonight and you say, I'll give you a ride home, and you're hoping that I just get to your car a little bit later and I, maybe I just show up at the same time you get in your car and you turn your car over, you'd be reaching for your button on your radio just as quick as you could get to it. Why is that? Because you got a nasty diet, man. You got a nasty diet. And you know what? Sometimes you have, he's like, oh, I got some spiritual issues. I got some spiritual problems. You know that he, he gave you this, he gave you access to, to the music. He, he told you how to use it to help you in your spiritual life. And if you neglect it, I'm telling you something. You know what? You know what the music is today? If we're talking about the dopamine dump and that kind of thing. You know what music is today? I have a palette for music. I'm just telling myself for a second. I have, I have tastes in music, right? I, I, have, I have preferences. And for me, um, I like bluegrass music. There's no doubt about that. I have a palette for, uh, you know, some traditional type music. I love acapella stuff, love all that kind of stuff, right? But uh, I'm going to tell you something. One of the best uh, bluegrass instrumental albums that was ever created was Bella Fleck, uh, the, the Drive. He made it with uh, Tony Rice and a couple other guys. That's one of the best instrumental uh, bluegrass albums ever created. Some of you are looking at me like I got 10 heads right now, and that's fine. Because, man, I can listen to that thing. I, I mean, I can listen to that thing all the way down to Florida. But you know what I noticed? If I listen to too much of that Bella Fleck, and there is no words to it. It's just music. Right? It affects me. Just as if you go to the Chinese buffet and you pack full of garbage and MSG and you walk out to your car and you got to roll out to the car like this because you feel sick. Right? But you want to know something? If you're listening to the country and you're listening to, let me tell you something. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Southern gospel is nothing more than country music. I came from a church that the whole motto was just listen to the words. As we said last week, it has very little to do with the words. Although there is an argument to be had about the words, the music in and of itself is the spiritual conduit that it will affect your body, that will affect your soul, or it will affect your spirit. And some of you in here, you have a palate and you have a diet of music that affects your body so much that you have a hard time thinking spiritually and you have a hard time imagining. And when you come into, and when you come into church and we sing a hymn, there's no wonder you don't say amen. And there's, a, there's no wonder that nothing happens because you, it's literally like we put Brussels sprouts in front of you. It's like, what is that? It's bitter. It's gross. I don't want to touch that. I have, no, I have no desire for that at all. And so, 
Just as the church is affected, if you've ever read Brother Sam's book on youth ministry, if you haven't, you should. But the principle here is the same. And that principle is back in, I don't want to give a date because I'd probably be wrong and someone will tell me, tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. Some time ago, when the big, uh, uh, let's, let's calculate how many they have in Sunday school and all this kind of stuff was going on, it was like, okay, well, let's have an evil Knievel day. Well, somebody comes and jumps a couple buses through a little tube of fl- flame and fire, you know, and, and then we'll have all the neighborhood kids come out and we'll say we had 1,200 in Sunday school. And uh, they have all these gimmicks and they get all the kids and all the kids and all the kids in. And they pack the churches with the kids and they pack them with the kids and they keep doing these Sundays and these special events and that kind of thing. And guess what happened? Those kids grew up, and they started being in leadership roles in the church. And then because they were raised that way, and they were brought in that way, and because the church then tried to use culture, right, listen to me, the church started using culture as a means to draw in and then bait and switch and say, now we're going to give them Jesus, but we're going to use the culture to bring them in. Now they're stuck in that same circle and in that same that same uh, mentality. And so they come in and they say, what do the kids want today? And so they do the same thing. And so what you now do is as generations pass through your church, it may be a great Bible even church, but the stock that you're bringing up, they've been brought in on the carnal side and on the, and the cultural side, and it brings your church down every generation until eventually it doesn't even look like a Bible-believing church anymore. Right. And so the churches are degenerating from the youth department. Same way with the music. When you hear preachers come and say, when the music starts to go, that's the, or that's the first thing that goes when the church starts to go downhill. The standards on the music start to loosen up. Why is that? Because everybody wants a lively church. Everybody wants a lively church. And what we have done as a culture, listen to me, and this is the last point before I get to, uh, to, get to the last thing I'm going to say. This is the last point right here is that I believe you're oversaturated with music. You're oversaturated. It's not just that your diet's bad and your diet could be bad. But guess what? Even if you're eating a good diet, you can still overeat. Even if you're eating a good diet, you can still overeat. And so what you have now is you have people... You have so much access to music more than any other generation that ever came through in any time in church history. You understand that you're living in church history. It's not just something that you read about in Dr. Ruckman's volumes. You understand that? You are, you are in, you're in the line of church history. Someday the annals of time will take place and we will be brought up as far as what we allowed the church to do while we were involved in it. You understand? You're a part of something bigger than just you. The church, the, the, the world and the culture that you're, they've numbed you to, under, to, to everything and there's no sense of like purpose and there's no sense of importance. There's no sense of duty. David said, is there not a cause? They've lulled you to sleep. And they've used the music to do it. And so... 
sit and music is no longer for its primary purpose. You know what? As, as a Bible-believing church, as, and I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about contemporary churches now. I'm talking about our churches. We're the ones that are still singing the old hymns. You know what? What happens when we stop singing them? Adam sang a song tonight that very few people knew. That's probably a good thing. How well do you know hymns? There's a preacher, had a, had a little girl. She, was, uh, she died at 14 weeks of age. She had leukemia. And he goes, they, were, they had to go to Boston uh, Children's Hospital, and they, and they basically stayed there um, while she got her diagnosis and then all the way up until she died. And in the morning, his wife would go get a shower and get cleaned up for the day. And he would take his little girl, Miriam, and he'd take a hymnal in this hand, and he'd walk around the hospital room and he'd sing hymns to that little baby girl. And as he was singing to that little baby girl, just a few days before the little baby girl passed away, he's singing to her and he turns to the hymn, Abide With Me. And he gets to the bottom of that, that hymn, the last stanza, you know, break through the gloom and point me to the skies. And he says, in life and death, O Lord, abide with me. Can, you, can I ask you something, church? When we read that verse over in Ephesians chapter 5, and that verse is mimicked again over there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, when it says, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you want to know the thing I get from that verse? Is you're supposed to speak to yourself in those things. Amen. That doesn't say have Spotify playing 24 hours a day. Because guess what, folks? The Lindsay family and the Collinsworth family and the Doucette family. I don't, listen, I'm not, throwing, I'm not throwing darts at these people. I'm not. But if you think for one second culture hasn't infiltrated their music, you're nuts. They can't even sing a hymn without jazzing it up. So let me ask you this, with your palette of music, what do you know, what do you know about hymns? That's the, that's the cornerstone of our Christian services. You understand? I was at a, I was at a, uh, was at a youth camp one time up in New York, and uh, we were more traditional in our church. I wouldn't say that we were a Bible-believing church at the time, but uh, we had a couple things going for us, and one of the things we had going for us was that, um, <coughs> excuse me, but we had, uh, we had old-time hymns we sang. And we got to this Southern Baptist camp, and of course it had gone to Paul State, and the Southern Baptists had far since... Got all that stuff out. And I've told this story here before with the uh, contemporary Christian uh, rock band they had come in. And that year that that contemporary Christian band came in, you know what? There was a couple of different churches. There was a Wesleyan church that was there, a Presbyterian church that was there, and all these, this ecumenical garbage that was going on. And you want to know something? I watched one of the pastors of those churches 
we, we, we kind of put up a stink and said, hey, how come we can't sing a couple regular hymns in the church service? And there was this big pressure to like not want to sing hymns. And I remember <clears throat> we were making a stink about it a little bit. And the pastor of a church came up and literally like he was full of the devil said, I hate old time hymns. I can't stand those things. That told me everything I need to know about that individual. That's ridiculous. How come you don't have a palate for it? So here's the problem. When you become, here, here's, when you become so inundated with that kind of music, just like when you become inundated with certain types of food, you know what happens? You become addicted to that malnutrition. And, and you could, listen, you could be, you could be eating all the calories in the world. You could be eating 10,000 calories a day and you'll starve to death. But because you're so addicted to how it tastes, it's not, an, it's not a decision that you make based on reality. It's a decision you based based on emotions and how it makes you feel. Why is it so hard to teach and preach on this subject? You want to know why? Because you're so emotionally attached to the music you listen to. That's why. And if anybody pins anything against what you like, they're full of the devil. That's what happens. I'm going to read you a couple things. The difference between popular culture and the traditional form of music and how it, how it leaves you and how it comes to you. Popular culture or popular music focuses on the new. Traditional focuses on the timeless. Popular discourages reflection. Traditional encourages reflection. Now listen to this. Popular pursued casually to kill time. You become in a vegetative state when you listen to music. It tells you to pursue with deliberation. It gives you a purpose, and when, when you listen to it, there's a reason you're listening to it. Popular music gives us what we want, tells us what we already know. Traditional offers us what we could not have imagined. Popular relies on instant accessibility, encourages impatience. Traditional requires training and encourages patience. You want to know one of the problems that we have in the church when it comes to music? Is that if music at its highest form, if we go back to, we go back to the music that if you were to go down the history of music and, and the pinnacle of instrumental music is Bach and Brahms, right? And Pachelbel, all the way down to Handel, who's a little bit later on. And you listen to all these great composers. If that's the pinnacle, then how come we don't have a palate for it at all? I'm not saying that you need to go home and listen to hours and hours of classical music, but how come that literally, we don't even have a palate for it? We don't even appreciate it. You want to know why? 
Those men were musical geniuses. Those men were un, those were supernaturally talented men. And you know what we've done in our culture? We've dumbed down music. Haphazardly put it together. Doesn't require a whole lot of skill. Now listen, I say that and I have to balance it with saying, you don't have to be a professional musician to sing a song in church. I know that. But what you heard before we got up and preached tonight, you think that that just happens? That's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of practice and being taught. Bible believers don't invest in that kind of stuff, typically. As I said last week, we just complain. (laughs) We just complain. We don't have an appreciation for it because we don't have a palate for it. Most of your music today, you know, the barrier of entry is so low because all you got to do is have a computer. Make some synthetic sounds, drop a beat, put some words to it. You got a hit song. Who cares? That's not the way it was supposed to be. That's not the way it was supposed to be. Popular music emphasizes information and trivia. Traditional music emphasizes knowledge and wisdom. Popular music celebrates fame. Traditional music celebrates ability. I appreciate the string. I think it was probably fitting that the strings played tonight before that because it's just fitting to what we're talking about. Popular music appeals uh, to sentimentality. Uh, uh, Traditional appeals to appropriate uh, proportioned emotions. Okay? Um, here's, here's, uh, here's, Here's one for you. Popular music is individualistic. Traditional music is communal. And therein lies the problem. Is that music has been, and now that it's massly produced and massly uh, and, and, and worldwide being able to get downloaded and shared at any point in time, you can be so submersed in it, everyone has a, a means to self-express what they want to put out into the world. And then so now you, it's literally like you can just go to the music store, just pick out whatever you want, whenever you want it, and whatever emotion you're feeling at that time there's a there's a piece of music for you and it'll it'll meet you where you are and it'll leave you where it found you it'll leave you where it found you and you want to know something i i pick on this song we've sang it here and i've sang i've sang it before in a church and the song uh, he knows my name i'm not just throwing this to be to be nasty or anything like that i don't have a problem with the song Right? He knows my name. Jesus isn't even mentioned in that song. Not one time. Not one time. That whole song is about you. How does that song measure up to It Is Well With My Soul? When Horatio Spafford sits over the bow of a ship, having lost his little ones to the sea, and he writes, It Is Well With My Soul. How can you, can somebody can somebody tell me how that measures up exactly? The hymns that you have in your hymnal are written from a place where their life doesn't even look like your life. The society and the culture that produced this 
stuff here, it's impossible for the culture in which you live in to produce this now. You can't produce this now. Your culture doesn't create it. It doesn't provide an environment for this to happen. And so, it is put on our shoulders. As a church, as a body of believers, you say, well, what's the hard line? Well, here's the thing. I go back to a diet. You want to know how you get healthy? You have a balanced diet. I can never have a piece of cake. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> right? Can I tell you that the crux, the, 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 the crux of the, of, the, of the service that we have on a weekly basis is designed to come from here, from this hymnal, and us to sing it in the, as a congregation. The special music is to not overshadow this. This is the stuff that feeds the soul. This is the stuff that recenters our focus. If you were to shut off your inputs, everything in your life is input. Everything. I said this on Wednesday night. Everything in your life is input. Even if it's good music, it's input. You know what you'd be better off doing? Turning it off. Turning it off. And singing a couple of hymns to yourself. Sing to yourself without the influence of somebody else's preferences that they're putting on a recorded CD. Because what happens is, especially you musicians in here, what happens is, is you listen to that and you're like, I kind of like that too. And so what happens is, is whatever preference that person has that you're listening to, it then comes up to here. Does that make sense? I'm not saying it's all bad. What I'm saying is, special musics are like a, just a little something sweet before the preaching. Right? That's what it is. It's not designed to be a show. It's not designed to showcase your, uh, your amazing ability. It's for you to play a song and to try to minister as skillfully as you can to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and get out of the way so that the Holy Spirit, like we talked about last week or uh, two weeks ago, can flow from the top all the way down and be uninhibited by any of us in here. That's what it's supposed to be. So what is it? You have to have balance. You have to have balance. How do, we, how do we hold fast those things that remain? For one, you have to be aware that this is how music works. You have to be aware that it affects you whether you realize it or not. It affects you. The chord progressions and the changes, you know that you don't, it's not even the words that you remember when you go walk through the grocery store. It's the progressions of the chords that you, that, that you memorize. You could remember a bass line in a song and you're like, I know that song over here. That music speaks. Jimi Hendrix said, I can take a guitar, open up a man's soul and preach to him without saying a word. They knew something. They knew something about music. How come we're so ignorant to it? How come we're so ignorant to it? I want, I, want, I want us to be encouraged, but I also want us to tread lightly. Because guess what? You walk into a church, and you know what you find out? They've, they don't sing uh, traditional hymns anymore. You know what they sing? They sing spiritual songs sometimes that you would hear in a special. They sing those as congregationals. Or they sing these songs that they don't have any form to them.
You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. And you sing it 850 times? Folks, let's just be real for a second. That's demonic. That's demonic. That's not, God's nowhere near that. There's no form. There's no structure. There's no, there, what, where do you get that from? How firm a foundation ye saints of the Lord has laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for uh, refuge to Jesus hath fled. Come on, man. Tell me that doesn't do something for you. I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. Amen. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote His sacred head for such a worm as I? You know what we have to do as a church and as, and as individual Christians in the body of Christ today? We have to fall back in love with what the church produced in the Philadelphia church age in a great time. And they had a walk with God that we need to get back to. Amen. You need to let this thing, you need to let this thing permeate your life. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you use music for how it was intended in your personal life, and like I said last week, if you're going to get up on this platform, you better have the th you better have the thick skin that it can take when some of us have to come up and say, hey, that was maybe a little bit too far down this way. We don't, we want to keep it. You know, a little bit more conservative. Could pastor come to you and say that without you throwing a fit? And if that's the case, the Bible says all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So let me ask you this. How addicted are you to music? How emotionally attached are you to your music? When you get up here, could somebody say, you know what, maybe we should just take that one out of the book. Would you, would you submit yourself to that? If you can't submit yourself to the church to do that, as, as singing specialists, when we're the, uh, the, the church, we're the church that is supposed to, uh, to be the safeguard against those things, you don't belong up here anyway. So we need a balance. And I'm not saying that every, 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 every uh, special needs to be a hymn. But what I'm saying is, is that it needs to be balanced. Amen? It needs to be balanced. Let's uh, go ahead and we'll, we'll pray and, and take, take it for what it's worth and, and uh, we'll go again another time. All right, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for just allowing us to be in church here tonight. I hope something that was said, Lord, would be of help. Lord, I know, I wish that there was a more solid conclusion to the matter. And maybe upon further study as I continue through this thing, maybe there will be. But as it sits now, Father, this is what I've got. This is what you've given me. And, uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as a church, as individuals, Lord, uh, that we might be pleasing to you in this area of music. And if there be any of us here that may find ourselves dabbling or somewhat addicted, Lord, for lack of a better word, to the music that does us no spiritual good, that draws us no closer to Jesus, Father, I pray that you'd help us to reach out to you tonight and get that thing straightened out. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your song books, go to 262. He just made a, a uh, that's a great, great. Uh, you ought to read.